Welcome to Jimmy's Jobs of the Future. Today we are joined for a podcast first, a husband and wife co-founding team. Simon and Charlene co-founded Superbooks, which produces children book stories in written and audio format. It is one of the most interesting companies that I have come across doing this show over the last couple of years. And I don't say that just because I'm now a parent and spend a considerable amount of my time reading bedtime stories. Whilst I love reading them, the classics that I grew up reading, it is also really enjoyable for me, as well as the kids, to read things that are a bit more updated for the 21st century, like Ogglebogs and the Bosch Rats. Their team includes a double Emmy-winning and Grammy-nominated creatives. Simon and Charlene were first introduced to me by Henry Dezout, one of the stars of our fourth series. I've become such a strong believer in the product as well as the couple that I became an angel investor alongside Henry earlier this year. There's lots to unpack in this episode, not least how both of them left careers in the city to do something so much more creative. This show is made possible by the fantastic support of our various partners and I wanted to thank the Octopus Group. The Octopus Group is a collection of eight entrepreneurially minded businesses across financial services and energy, all founded on the one simple belief that people and the planet deserve better. They are intent on building a better tomorrow for future generations and are a certified B Corp, demonstrating they care as much about the impact of their investments as the returns they generate. I am proud that Octopus have backed this show since the second series, and they are the reason why we are now able to put such a professional show together. To hear more about what they do, it is worth checking out previous episodes with the founders Chris Hewlett and Simon Rogerson, or the CEO of their investments arm, Ruth Hancock. If you want to see how you could partner with us, go to our website at www.jobsofthefuture.co. And now on to today's episode. Simon and Charlene, welcome to Jimmy's Jobs of the Future. Thanks, Jimmy. Hi. Hi, Jimmy. So one of the questions that we always ask people is, how did you come up with the name of your brand? And because this is always a really kind of creative moment for entrepreneurs. And you two are probably the most creative entrepreneurs that we've had on. So how did you come up with the name Superbooks? Well, do you know what, Jimmy? Actually... That's one of the things that neither of us can actually remember. We both take the credit for it because <laughs> we sit there and I think I came up with the name, but actually so I think he came up with the name because we thought of so many. Um, we can't actually remember who actually. Yeah, it's a funny one. Um, we had, what, what other names did we have? We had. Um, we had Slug Press. We had Slug Press because we love, obviously like, you know, just the silliness of Superbooks and stuff. So we've got um, the Slug as our logo. Um, but I think for some reason, either one of us, we just, it's what, I think it must've been one of those moments where you just kind of went super books, but if you don't, you know, if you spell it with double O, then it becomes a brand, Yeah. but it still has that kind of like, it still feels fun. I think it just rolled off the tongue. Yeah. Just, just and well, I mean, we had our notebook open for ages over it and we just used to jot names down and nothing really stuck. And then one of us, we don't know who, <laughs> said Superbooks and the other one just said, yeah, that's it. And we just went with it. But we can't quite remember who. We both claim it, basically. And talk to us about like that creative process more broadly. Is it simple as ha- having a notebook with you 
almost everywhere you go and kind of jotting down ideas for all the different characters and so on because there's quite a number on the website now right it is for me I carry I've always carried a sketchbook with me that's just the way I roll so um yeah and a sketchbook and a pen just always stay in my bag basically and any ideas I have any sketches it's usually all visual I just jot them down um yeah I'm quite different actually so I only recently started putting ideas down into like into Asana because that's what we're using now. My my brain is just a kind of well of ideas and characters, and I like them just to kind of sit there for a while, play around with different things and different ideas, and I don't seem to have a problem like kind of remembering them. So they just they're always there, and then they'll come out. I feel like they need to sit there for a while to form. And then a character will turn into an idea for a story, which will turn into a brand name that we do. Because they're kind of like pieces of a puzzle that just sit. <laughs> That's when Sai might tell me about an idea and I'll just quickly draw a quick visual for a character. And that's how it, that kind of how it works between us, really. And it'll be quite random as well. You know, we'll just be in a shop and suddenly... I'll just come up with, <laughs> I'll just start talking about some random character or story or book. Our inspiration <laughs> happens anywhere, really. And take us back to that that first inspiration of how you discovered it, because it must be something that everybody thinks that they could do, or they might, you know, they'd like to do, or they definitely could be a kind of children's author um, or illustrator. Yeah, we've had some very serious jobs on lately, like war correspondents and so on, which I think you know, 99.9% of the population would be not interested in that. Whereas children's author seems much more kind of accessible. But of course, it's it's not that that straightforward. You both had kind of careers in the, in the city beforehand. Talk us through the kind of story that led to you starting it and you know getting funding for the business. We've always been, we've always obviously loved drawing and, and writing. You know, I've, I've worked in banking and things like that. So it doesn't necessarily look on paper like I'd be the most creative person, but I've always loved writing rhymes. And, and it was actually, so um, back in 2020, Charlene got pregnant with our firstborn. And one of the things that we always wanted to do was to read to our new child from birth because, you know, the research just says it's everything about it is good. And we sort of just used that as our kind of motivator to just actually write stories ourselves. Um, so we started writing and then because, you know, we wanted access to the stories effectively. So we just, we put them online instead of printing them. Just, just so happened, obviously lockdown happened. But it, at the beginning, it was just writing for you and your family. Yeah, yeah. yeah literally just, we just, we, we were writing stories that we loved um, for us, for, for Goldie. I mean, we might have shared them. We shared them with friends, family, things like that. Yeah. But we didn't, we didn't really look any further into doing anything with them. It was just a hobby, really. It was a hobby that we fitted in and we enjoyed doing. And obviously being pregnant, we were like, hang on a minute, this could, we, we kind of looked at it in a different way, I guess. And we thought, how could we use it to our advantage to Goldie, who's our daughter now? Um, what could, how could it help her and potentially help others? And it was when we went into lockdown, my sister, who's amazingly got five children, um, she actually said during homeschooling, she said, you know, share some of those stories with me, you know, let me have access to them. So that's when 
we thought, well, hang on, maybe we can help others doing this. And we shared it with a few friends and family. You know, people kept asking us, friends kept asking us during this homeschooling period. And that's when we thought, well, hang on a minute. What about helping all the hundreds and thousands of schools out there at this time as well? And that's when we contacted them and said, we've got some resources for you. We didn't think about making money at this point. We just thought, you know, let's put it out there and see what happens. And we we contacted so many schools and the response was amazing. Yeah. It just kind of hit the roof and everybody said, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. We want it. We want we want to help our parents as well because obviously the schools were trying to... You're being quite modest there, Charlene, but like the story on your website is it goes from zero to a million views within the space of six weeks. I mean, talk about hitting the right algorithms and the moment in time, right? It must have been pretty extraordinary i mean what were your first kind of i mean everyone remembers their march 2020 right but for you guys it must have been must have been quite extraordinary on a number of levels <laughs> it really was and yeah so you should sitting looking at looking at the stats you know in the kind of like google analytics i mean literally the chart is flatline along the bottom we didn't have any traffic at all prior to march or april 2020, we sent these emails to schools and within three to four weeks of that, we had gone to the number one bedtime stories website in the world. Um, and that was us ranking on Google number one for bedtime stories, which is a huge traffic keyword in 50 countries or more. From that point, it was only another month or so after that, that we were hitting something like up near a million hits a month on the site i mean it was just absolutely yeah beyond anything because i mean i so i've worked with startups and i've i've worked and i've i've seen campaigns and seo campaigns and that just it's not something that i've ever seen before even the experts can't quite understand how it's happened exactly because then you've gone on right and fast forward a year later or 18 months yeah we we kind of first met when you were like we're going to take this seriously in the sense of quit our, our full-time jobs. We're going to go on this full-time and we're going to kind of raise venture capital money as well, which is a big kind of statement. And also it's not the traditional way authors kind of launch themselves, but particularly. So just like talk us through the kind of thought process of, of how you went about that. Obviously you've got backgrounds in the city. so a bit more understanding of that, but there are so many aspiring authors out there. Share your story of, of that kind of period. There's a couple of different parts. First is, as you mentioned, you know, our background is, is in the city. I mean, so Charlene has obviously worked with publishing houses um with illustration but m mine is very much in in finance in banking and you know so i i know that kind of i mean i've never been on it before but i i know of that kind of funding route and startup route you know i love writing stories but i'm not an author so going down the route of trying to get a publishing deal didn't really come into our head that much it was more kind of um oh, wow, this is, you know, this is taking off online. You know, how can we turn that traffic into subscriptions? And how can we use this to help people to be effectively do what we wanted to do, which was like help parents read every single day with their children. And like, if you look at the stats, like parents just aren't doing that anymore. The research is pretty clear on it. And it depends which resources you look at, but anywhere up to like nine out of 10 parents aren't reading to their children every night. 
Wow, really? And it's, it's critical for development of your child in terms of like the parent-child bond, the cognitive development, mental health. It's, it's so important. And it's something that as a nation, we're just not really doing anymore. So we wanted to use technology to say, well, you know, the book industry hasn't moved. She hasn't done anything really for like 20, 30 years. You've got the social media platforms. You've got, you know, all these other distractions. And you've got parents working longer hours. You've probably got both parents working. So there's no time anymore. And the children's publishing industry has just kind of sat and sat still. So we, we felt like there was a, a moment in time where, you know, we can help. We can help parents actually do that. And we're not saying, you know, only read digital stories because we, we, we love, love physical, physical books. stories, but. We're just trying to be more accessible to everyone yeah. and hopefully help people in cutting down this nine out of 10 parents don't do this. And how can we help in that area? You're starting as, as digital, right? But you've got big plans. That's one of the exciting things. And I mean, it is interesting that way you talk about it. It's like, well, I knew finance. So that's kind of the route I went down rather than the sort of getting a book deal. <laughs> it's kind of like, I hadn't thought of it like that before. You know, you've, you've got big plans. You've got ambitious plans for it but you're able to kind of like part of the beauty of it to kind of move away from the the children's book aspect of it is the the ability to be able to beta test and a and b test what characters are working what stories are working um and that's that's pretty incredible right because you're right like publishing is one of those industries that hasn't really been disrupted for want of a better phrase it just gets banded around so much but it, it has been the same names that have been in it for a long time following the same models I think the thing in in children's publishing is effectively it's a retail distribution network run by a couple of big players. The stories get written, the big the big authors get the big deals, the books get distributed out into the into retail. And then at the point of sale, there's no relationship, there's no data to actually tell how engaged is that family, parent, child with that book. They bought the book, but that doesn't necessarily tell you that much about how much they enjoyed it or how much they've actually read it. Whereas, I mean, the data on, on a digital platform like Superbooks is unbelievably rich. I mean, we can tell you where they've come from, how long they've been on a page, how much engagement, how far they've scrolled down a page, if they've stopped at a certain picture because they like it more, if they've played the audio or whether they're just reading it. The data is um, incredibly rich and way, way more so than anything that's existed before in this space. And what characters have done well that you might not have been anticipating? I mean, obviously, they must all feel like, you know, sort of almost children to you in, in a way of kind of, you know, you, you come up with these ideas, <laughs> talk about them, you then create them. Uh, and then you kind of publish them. Have there been some that you thought would do better than others and vice versa? At this point, I mean, we're still pretty early in, in yeah. the data collection, to be fair. So um, at the moment, yes, there are a few outliers, you know, so our airmail story has has risen as one. So th this is a series of, um, <laughs> for those of you who haven't read it yet, is uh, a little pig called Solomon, Solomon Hogg. Mm -hmm. um, and he is a pig who works for a bird delivery company. And he has always wanted to be able to fly, but he can't fly because he's a pig, obviously. So he invents um, the, his flappy cycle, 
um, which kind of nearly gets him to fly. And he goes on these adventures, kind of delivering parcels and, you know, the things happen and it's all quite comical. But it's, uh, yeah, so he, he's, he's popular, but why? I mean, who knows? I th- this, is, this is the whole point about Superbooks. Like, you don't necessarily need to know why. The data will just tell you which ones are working. <laughs> and I think, Jimmy, the way we work as well, it's with speed as well. We like to, you know, for those people using our platform, they have their favorites, but they want a new story every night. Their children want that. And we're with our team that we've got behind us, an amazing team. Um, we can do that now. We we put out stories every week, new stories. And these aren't just series. These are rhymes as well. And it's great to see. It's not like we've put all our eggs in one basket in publishing one series or one book. We can, we've got so many ideas. And that's what, I think that's what we enjoy so much as well. We're you're creating every day, like every second of the day. And we're able to put it out there for people to enjoy. And to give you an idea, we've now got eight original Superbook series on there, which have three, four, five different episodes in them. Now um, we're we're bringing out a new one. So you're really creating them every day now. I mean, that's that's extraordinary. Yeah. So we've got. So we're working with, um, well, some absolutely unbelievably talented writers now. So we've got. Uh, one of our guys is double Emmy winning. He's worked in children's TV and he's extremely good. And our, our, the other chap, just as good as well, just as talented. And they love it because we basically give them free reign to create. They'll get a tight brief from us, which is we'll create the, the, the brand and the, and the character concept and ideas. And then within that framework, they create what, whatever they want <laughs> so they absolutely love it i mean it's it's their dream really to, to write like that and then we've got an editor who's worked with you know bloomsbury press penguin she's she's got a good over overview of the of the whole industry because she's worked in america and in the uk um with children's stories and with adult and she she is constantly very very surprised by how much content we produce and how quickly we produce it Uh, she said we we produce more content than anybody else that she's working with how do you guard against creator burnout right i mean i get it a little bit sometimes with the podcasts as well right you know like you're putting a lot of time and effort into making good quality content for people to consume and so on and it 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 can it does get a bit exhausting even though it's a job i love etc how do you kind of guard against that so we create, a, a, there's a formula that we use within each of the brands, sub-brands of the series, which it essentially enables us to never run out of episode ideas. Um, so if you look at something like Peppa Pig, for example. Oh, trust me, we, we're father of a two and a half year old. We, we know, we know <laughs> Peppa Pig. We, we know, know it well. well. <laughs> so the, the way that you construct um, the characters and relationships between the characters enable almost infinite storylines um so we that's all planned in from the start when we're creating all of the different um series concepts that you must get days though where it's just where i don't know things aren't firing as as much and and so on yeah we do of course like anyone in any job that you do you're going to get those days Sai and i work quite well together like Sai is very good you know we work in different areas 
which is good of the of the business. Um, so we're quite not separate, but we have our areas that we're that we both focus on. And so if I'm having a bit of a one of those days where I just you know it's a block almost, isn't it? And the same for Simon. I think both of us work quite well together in that that Simon's very good at calming me down, setting me back, or I just go on to something completely different. And with Simon, it's mostly like there's just too much in his head and he can't process it. There's too much ideas, too many ideas. It's just, it's all about taking a bit of a breather, a bit of a backseat on it as well. And I think the thing is we work with creatives. You can go to them, okay, we're not, we're not all in an office together, but they're on the other end of the phone call, you know, on Zoom or whatever we need. And I think that helps a lot as well, having other creatives in the team. Yeah, that definitely helps. So, you know, if we were trying to churn out this amount of content on our own, it would be impossible. Yeah. But you've got multiple kind of like brains working together on it. And it just seems to work. And it's a team that's grown. I mean, it's a recent team, but we've grown really fast together and... We're quite, it's funny how close you get with people that you're, you know, you're not necessarily in the office, you're not together, but you feel like you know them, you know, it's. It's funny, you sort of, you have this shared bond over the characters as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, it takes a village to raise a family, right? I was just thinking that, like, I mean, that's said to raise a child, like it's it's similar for characters in books, right? The more yeah. that you get to know these characters and understand how they are and work, the more ideas come, you know, it's, they, they come naturally once you understand, you know, the first two, three episodes are always more difficult to write because the characters are still quite raw. They're forming. You get into their brain and you go, oh, what, what adventure could we go on today with this character? You know, kind of comes out. Yeah. <laughs> it just flows nicely. You talk about it there in terms of being a husband and wife team. What is good as part of that? And, and what, what is the challenge with it? We were chatting about this the other day, weren't we? Yeah. It's... Good. Do you want to start with good? <laughs> Should we start with the good bit? <laughs> start with the good. It's brilliant all the time. <laughs> no, I mean, we do we do have separate roles. And, you know, when we were in our pre-Superbooks life, you know, we did work as as freelancers together in the same flat. You know, we we have spent lots of time working beside each other. And it's not... It's, it's not, not that it's not that different. No, it's not that dissimilar. Yeah. We used to get it all the time, people saying, How do you work in the same house together? You know, but we've just got <laughs> we've, now we've all had to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um we've all had a go. But um yeah, we've just we've got quite good attitude to work, let's say. We're quite we're we're very much we like to be challenged and we work hard, basically. We are, we're hard workers and you know, we, we we don't see each other in the day really when we're working because we might be in the same room together, yeah. but we're not constantly like talking to you. Well, we are obviously constantly talking to each other about this, but we've got we've got to keep the business alive, haven't we? And, you know, we're working at our bits separately, but at the same time we come together, but obviously we need to switch off at some point. And that's when we have our rules where it comes to supper time and we turn off from that. And it's lovely to have that that break which it is we need it to refresh you need yeah. it for the next day to power back into it again so yeah we do have that one rule at home that when it comes to supper time we do turn off from super books 
Um, it does creep it's up every now and then in the meal ties, and the other one will say, "Ha, it's back! Stop! Stop!" But um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a balance at the end of the day, yeah. and we said that from the start. If this is going to work, we need that balance, and we've got a daughter now, so um, Goldie, and she draws us away at the same time. You know, she needs our attention as much as we need to give it to Superbooks, and we're really good at that work-life balance. Yes, in some ways, I can imagine it's easier when you're working on a product that your your daughter uses. But I I can also imagine it's just the all-consuming nature, which is what all kind of entrepreneurs like go through. Um, but yeah, it must be even more kind of. It is. You really have to. You really have to restrict yourself from yeah thinking it, about it twenty four seven. That's it, the thing. It could be all-consuming. Yeah. And sometimes it does. It's never perfect, is it? You know, there's always kind of the scales will tip one way and then another. So you. I think as long as you're conscious about it, it is really uh, hard to turn and, off and work on it. And um, yeah, I think that's the thing. When you raise the money, obviously, then you started building out a team, as you were talking about earlier, when you've hired a couple of writers and an editor. Where are do you think the jobs of the future in kind of publishing and and children's book publishing, particularly? Right, because it's one of the things that we talk about is with automation, more of the kind of boring jobs and repetitive jobs are going to are going to go out of existence and one of the things that at least is going to take ai a little bit longer is uh the sort of creative aspect um which is obviously what you guys do so what were those hires that you first bought in the first person we hired was another writer and one more illustrator um and we've been working closely with a narrator right from the beginning who then came on full time with us so he very very kindly gave us he, he just loved superbooks right from the word go and and gave us many many hours of his time completely free just because he loved superbooks and um, so he came on so they were the first ones uh and that just allowed us really to to just start producing more content you know straight away we just saw it then how it could scale basically yeah. and that was with what five of us then and we realized then yeah, with the format that we were producing the stories in, effectively, you know, it can scale up even faster than it is now. You know, it, we could be producing many, many hundreds or even thousands of stories. It's a bit like it's a bit like Netflix in that way. Yeah, there's almost it's almost seemingly an unlimited amount of content that you can kind of get. Obviously, we're very, very early in that journey, but the team structure is is very it's very simple. Talk to me about that. So it was that Netflix for children's books that it was Henry Desote that first kind of introduced us um, and sort of said, you've got to check these guys out. They're brilliant. Um, and like you say, I, I loved it so much that I angel invested in you guys. What is the sort of the plan? I can kind of remember the sort of the big ambitions that you you mentioned to me, um, Simon, which was quite awe-inspiring when we were having those first conversations. You know, where do you think this could go to, right? Because we talked about Peppa Pig earlier. The Prime Minister brought up Peppa Pig in a speech just before Christmas, and some people accused him of being a bit sort of like, you know, of not taking business seriously because of that. But actually, Peppa Pig is one of the most amazing kind of British success stories of the 21st century, like in terms of it being kind of modern day creation, has now become an export. You know, it's the reason why American children have English accents. Um, you know, so much for the revolution and all that. But 
like talk to me about where you kind of see it going because that Netflix for for children's book publishing is is such a kind of snappy phrase that gets people. Imagine multiple Peppa Pigs wrapped into a single company, and that's a multi-billion brand, pound brand. And when they started, they had to do it through focus groups. We don't have to do that. We've got the power of the data that's telling us which ones are going to be successful. So essentially what, what can happen over time is that as you produce more and more of the content, the data defines which content, which, which stories and which series are going to be most popular or are the most popular. That's supported with a subscription model. Um, but then you've got this other piece where because you know which ones are, are popular, you can then license that, that content out to partner with animation companies and merchandise. Again, it's the power of the data. So if, if you know that these particular subscribers are avid fans of airmail, then when you produce all of the airmail merchandise, they'll only be sold the airmail merchandise essentially. And you don't have to bother them with any of the other stuff you know they're not going to want. Um, so you can be very, very granular with how it can expand. I mean, I think from my perspective, in terms of the business model, at, at full scale, you are talking about a business which is as big as Disney. That's, that's the reality of the way that the business model can work. And I, I'm not sure exactly where the valuation is at the moment, but before the, before the dip, it was up in the 600 million billion category. You know, that's how, that's how big the business could be if it's executed properly. We're all on that, on that journey with you very much, very much so, as, as you know. How has raising an angel round helped, right? Like, I think it's always one of my kind of favorite emails to receive is your investor update and so on. And I think it, it works really well, kind of the way that you, you approach it. But what have angels brought to the table with you? And you've got some like your know, Ada Ventures as well as like, you know, a, a big and, and well-known venture capital firm helping you as well. I think a lot of it is down to support as well. It's having that support network. I think you need that when you're so all consumed in like, it's, it comes back to the challenge you mentioned earlier, Jimmy, about this is probably one of the things if we didn't have that network of people and it was just Cy and I, I'm not sure, you know, it's that motivation behind us. Basically, we're not just doing it for us. We're doing it for the people who believe in us as well. And I think that is massive for us. That's really helped. Again, back to the question, do you ever have a bad day? We can pick up the phone and speak to people like yourself or people that have invested in us um, to give us advice and help us out. Um, you know, a lot of these investors have have been on the same journey that we're in at the moment, currently on. And that's a really lovely feeling to know that those people are behind us and in it with us. Going through that investor process is a is a very rigorous process. And we do have very high profile angel investors behind us. And I think with those types of names behind us, um, it gives you even more confidence, really. These are the types of, of people that are they're seeing hundreds and hundreds of different startups and pitches and things. And we're the ones that 
got through, you know, and we feel really, really lucky that we have. Um, but at the same time, you know, got to have the meetings, got to have the do, do the sales pitches. And there's the confidence that comes from succeeding there, I think. Simon, Charlene, tell us about this Read Every Day campaign you've got, because I know how passionate you are about it. I mean, it really all comes back to our first kind of little pack that we had together, which is, you know, we, we, we strive to read every day and we do. We have managed <laughs> to read every day to Goldie since, since birth. And that's where the passion lies, really. And that's what we want to, to give back to other parents. So what we've done is we've gone to, um, gone to the schools that, that originally um, took the resources and, and we've effectively offered them a free story every day. That's what they get as part of this campaign. They get a different free superbook story to read every night and it changes every day because we want to encourage what we just want to encourage more people to read every day essentially that's that's the thing and the thing is you know with 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 children as well one of the biggest pieces of feedback we've had so far is kids want variety you know they want they want to be doing something different i mean occasionally obviously you they'll find a one that they get stuck on and want to to read more of but um it seemed like the best thing to do is essentially just to if you want to read every day, you can do it free with Superbooks. Um, so yeah. that that is the offer that we feel passionately is is the best way that we can provide value to families uh, across the world, really. So that's it. Just just talk us through that. Just that if people want to check out the books and so on, you know, people might not even be parents and um, just want to see what you guys are up to. How do they do that? Uh, log on to superbooks.com, you know. So Super, S-O-O-P-E-R, double O. -O. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure there'll be a link around uh, wherever you list it. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll put a, we'll put a link in the, uh, in the podcast notes as well. And so just a couple of kind of more thought-provoking questions. One is I want to know what your favorite books are and what inspired you when you were youngsters into into reading and if there's been a business book that's been particularly uh useful on your journey as well well um it's got to be it's the classic it's got to be Roald Dahl the twits yeah. I love the twits anything that got grubby anything dirty anything a bit that you'd want to go Ooh, after I loved and I love that I think you'll find with super books as well there's humor going through everywhere and it's not you know, it's not just in the writing, it's the visuals as well. We always try and make it just a little bit quirky, a little bit different from what's been done. And I think that's always been part of my creativity as well. It's just something, those quirks, I think. Um, Wind in the Willows was a massive one for me as well as a child. Loved that. Quite a classic. But yeah, definitely those two for me. And Simon? It's probably a broken record, but I, I'm Roald Dahl as well. Um, my favorite <laughs> was the BFG. I just, there's something oh, yeah. absolutely magical about it for me. It's the way that it's the character development. We've taken inspiration from that really. And you will find kind of funny, silly, uh, words that sound, you know, interesting and names that are a bit odd and peculiar. And I think, cause that was one of the things that just drew me into, to Roald Dahl stuff. His, um, his rhymes as well are just absolutely unbelievably good the porcupine if you haven't if you haven't read or listened to the porcupine you need to it is 
it's absolutely incredible thank you so much for coming on it's like it is an amazing story i'm really proud to be kind of an angel investor and helping a little bit along the way um because we've just you know the everyday uh reading campaign is is so important and it's uh great for people to go and check out super books online oh thanks jimmy thanks, it's jimmy great to be on your podcast thank you thanks for listening to jimmy's jobs one of the ways we make this show possible is through our various partnerships. If you'd like to partner with us, you'd be joining one of the UK's fastest growing business podcasts, reaching over 40,000 listeners every month. I know many podcasts brag about the size of their audience, but few can say they are listened to by the biggest name in the country. I wanted to ask you what your favourite podcast was, aside from Jimmy's Jobs, of course. Jimmy's Jobs is obviously my favourite podcast. We've helped a wide variety of groups tell their story, from the National Farmers Union right through to the FinTech Alliance. So if you'd like to work with us, just go to www.jobsofthefuture.co. To keep up to date with all Jobs of the Future news, you can follow us across all social media, including our brand new TikTok and YouTube channels.